I think the most important thing throughout my journey with like every health thing I've been through is finding the right provider mm-hmm. and like finding somebody that you can ask the questions to and that you can feel heard and that isn't just going to like put you on an assembly line of exactly how they treat everybody else. And specifically with IVF, that's really common because it's a very protocol driven specialty. and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Hello, welcome back to Pursuing Health. I am very excited to be joined again today by my good friend, Dr. Erin Falls. You may recognize her as Dr. Erin Donaldson when she was on the podcast the first time. Since then, she's gotten married and a whole bunch of other things have happened. So I'm excited to catch up and share with all of you. For those of you who did not hear the first episode, Erin is a fellow physician. She is truly on a mission to educate and challenge others to take charge of their health board-certified family physician. She's practiced in the ER in a rural town. She's practiced hospital medicine and then now has settled into her true love of precision medicine where she specializes in autoimmune diseases. And we first met while working together at Wild Health. We've talked about her journey through autoimmune disease herself on the first recording of this podcast. If you haven't heard that, highly recommend you go back and check it out. And since then... In addition to getting married, you've shifted your practice. So now you're full-time in your own practice where you really do dive in and focus a lot on autoimmune disease, also still using the genomics that we know and love from Wild Health and have experienced a lot of other things in the meantime too. So I'm so excited to catch up. Thank you for coming back and joining me. Yeah, this will be awesome. I think it's been a, a couple of years at least since we were on the podcast. Obviously, we catch up in the meantime, but yes. there'll be plenty to talk about. That's right. Well, yes, we we catch up in the meantime, but excited to catch up all the listeners who loved our first episode. So, um, so yeah, I mean, where do we start? You, why don't we just start? We'll just dive into like the real stuff. <laughs> Love it. Oh, so, right, let's do it. I know. Shortly, it wasn't too long after our first episode. You got married to your husband, Will, and you shared publicly, you know, on social media and other platforms that you guys had a really challenging first year of marriage. So could you share a little bit about what you all experienced? Yes, for sure. Um, Shout out to my husband, who's been a total (laughs) rock for the last two years. So yeah, we're coming up on our uh, second anniversary this summer. And we were not, we're not like the biggest planners. We didn't have like exact ideas of how we wanted our family to look, but we always knew we wanted, you know, like how many kids are, how many girls are boys mm-hmm. or exactly when, like, I just, we're not the type to be super like formal about that. Um, and we're both pretty spontaneous and, but we knew we wanted children at some point. We both, oh wait, we actually both were independently looking at adopting before we got married because oh. we met in our thirties, we were a little bit older and we both knew we wanted to be parents. So we had both kind of like casually looked into that. I was looking into fostering And so we just have big hearts to have kiddos and like Mm -hmm. are very close with the kids in our family. And if you ever see my husband around kids, then (laughs) like melt, like he is a kid at heart. And so I feel like kids are just like drawn to people like that, you know? 
Anyway, uh, right around the time of our wedding, we actually like really unexpectedly got pregnant and also unexpectedly had our first miscarriage. Mm. And it was like, I was convinced we weren't pregnant because we just had so much else going on, like obviously Mm -hmm. planning the wedding. And then my husband actually got rhabdo around that time from a workout he did and was in the hospital for a week. I think we missed our engagement pictures (laughs) and like took them like funny pictures in the hospital. But so I was just thinking about other things and I was like, there's Mm -hmm. no way we could be pregnant. And he's like, you, I'm pretty sure are pregnant. Like you need to take a pregnancy test. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because like, I've been asking him to cook tacos like every single day. And I've been telling him his driving was making me sick. And my husband's actually a professional <laughs> race car driver. <laughs> this is where I draw Something's going on. It's not my driving. <laughs> you know? um, and so we found out we were pregnant. We were like shocked, but over the moon. Um, mm-hmm. And then we had a pretty early miscarriage. And it really blew my mind. Like we were actually just talking about this a couple of weeks ago, like how finding out that first time was so different. Cause I'll tell you about mm. the rest of our journey. Cause mm-hmm. we just, at that point, we thought pregnancy meant baby. And we were like, Oh, how are we going to do this with work? And like, this is exciting, you know? And mm-hmm. we were just like, kind of it, it, like ignorance is bliss. Right. And then we had our first miscarriage and like being in medicine, you know, it was like crushing and he was a rock for me. And like, we got through it and it made me so convinced I was marrying the right person. And then we went on our honeymoon pretty much right after that happened because it was like a little bit delayed Mm -hmm. and we, it was so cathartic for me. We went to Costa Rica and we were like walking like 10 miles minimum a day and like hiking. Like we did a very active honeymoon. Mm -hmm. We're both like pretty adventurous people. And, um, it was like super cathartic for me, just like moving my body and like doing hard things and, you know, getting to a new, like being in a new place and like pushing my boundaries. It was just like very healing. And I was like, you know, I know I'm in medicine. I know this happens. Like, it's a good thing we got pregnant. And I didn't really Mm -hmm. think too much of it. You know, I was just happy. Like my hormones were in a place where I could get pregnant and, you know, it wasn't like, I, I took it as a good thing at the end of the day. And then ended up having four more in the next, I want to say eight months. It was like something like five of seven menstrual cycles. We had a miscarriage, like in something super insane. And they were all pretty early. They were all before we got to see the heartbeat, but like past, most of them were past like the chemical pregnancy Mm -hmm. stage. And I also just want to like pause because having, I'm not, in as emotional of a space with this now, but like having been in this space for a significant amount of time, like I just want to give a minute to anyone like walking this right now. Cause it's yeah. brutal and it will like take you to the ends of yourself and like questions like, what did I do wrong? Like, am I deserving? And like all like the questions I think we battle mm-hmm. anyway in life, but like they come, nothing has forced me in my life to grow, like going through this did like nothing in my entire life, no illness I've been through, no challenge. So I just want to like send out love to anybody like walking through any journey of loss or infertility right now. Cause it's, I don't know. I I wasn't even like thinking about becoming a mom yet. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. So just sending love to anybody going through that space. But that's essentially like what our first nine months of marriage were like and it was plenty of like moments of joy in the middle Mm -hmm. and like thank goodness I married someone 
hilarious <laughs> and like someone that can like roll with the punches because I think I, I want, I worry, I would have just gotten swallowed up by it, you know? And he like, wouldn't let, like, he wouldn't let me even like when my emotions would hit me, he calls it surfing, Julie. He does this thing where it's like my, I'll just start, I would just start yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. Like it's so brutal. Like uh, the hormones and everything associated with what you're physically going through while you're emotionally processing that is just like, I cannot imagine with the hormones on top of it. Yeah. So I'd be like, fine. And then I would like be bawling, right? And he's like, are we surfing? Like we're surfing. (laughs) Like, it's okay. Let's do it. That's such a good one. Such a good one. Lincoln calls my emotional, he calls them, um, we call them tropical storms. So maybe- Oh, I love it. Maybe we'll, (laughs) sometimes, you know, it's like a light sprinkle. Sometimes it's like a full level five hurricane. You never know. (laughs) And like, I- I like the wave analogy because it's yeah. like, it, it's exactly how it feels. It totally. feels like it's going to like swallow you up and then it goes away and then yeah. they come again. You know, like yeah. that's just how hard things are. Yeah. So gosh, it showed us what we were made of as a couple for sure. It also showed me more about the healthcare system, of course. Uh, <laughs> but that was, that was like it in a nutshell or kind of how it all started. That's I cannot even imagine just like the back to back and the hormones on top of it and like groundhog day, all of the, yeah. Wow. Wow. I love the, the way that you, you know, just the love that you sent out, but also, you know, for people who may be in that situation, like what you just said about how nothing made you, I can't remember your exact words, but made you sort of like face some of the the hardest things and grow. Nothing made you grow more. It sounds like you know, even in the midst of all the heartbreak now more towards the other side, you're able to see the growth or, or the ways that it impacted you positively. Similarly to a lot of the other health challenges that you've been through. Yeah, it was, I just think it, I I can't speak for everybody, but for me, the something about like the maternal nature of it Mm. and like how it's like caring for another being and that fail like felt felt like it was failing like it just felt like there was this guilt and there was this like question intermittently like not it wasn't pervasive but there was this like voice in the back of my head about Mm -hmm. like deservedness and Mm -hmm. worthiness and like I'm not someone that regularly struggles with like that inner critic you know beating Mm -hmm. me down like I've done a lot of like work and mm-hmm. feel like I'm very happy with myself on a deep level. And I tell you what, that will, that will fight, like bring up any depression. Yeah. Even yeah. The, the strongest person. Yeah. It's wow. So well, like looked at me though, when we were in the midst of it, I think maybe we were on our fourth one and that one lasted a little bit longer. So we thought it might like actually work. And he could tell I was like really struggling because at this point we didn't have answers yet as to what was going on. We were kind of just still told, Oh, this happens. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I knew at this point I knew in my gut something else was going going on. on. Yeah. But he just looked at me and he was like, are you okay? Like if we never have kids, like I married you, like Mm -hmm. I'm okay. Like that's my life. That's what I signed up for. And I'm Mm going to be okay. Are you going to be okay? You know? And I like, didn't realize how much I needed to hear that from him. Like he yeah. wasn't putting my worth in that, you know, mm-hmm. or our worth in that. And that was like, just like a weight lifted off my shoulders. That's so beautiful. 
That's so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. I can't even imagine the ways that it, that it brought you closer. So you start to do some investigation. You have this gut feeling like there's something more going on. What does that look like as you're now navigating the healthcare system once again? Yeah. So, and like, felt again, like Groundhog Day, because for anybody that listened to the prior episode, I was kind of like made to feel like I was crazy a little bit during my lupus diagnosis as well. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing we can do about this. And like for a long time, we didn't even get a diagnosis. So it was, I felt like I was kind of a little bit back in the same spot where my gut was telling me one thing and like the system was telling me something else. Mm -hmm. And this time it was interesting because my obstetrician or OBGYN at the time was someone I had known for over a decade. Like she had Mm -hmm. delivered both of my nephews. Mm -hmm. She was basically a family friend at this point. Um, And I really liked her as a person, Mm -hmm. but I was, we were having a really difficult time. Granted, no one had ever had like a complex scenario with her. Like my sister had pretty straightforward pregnancies Mm -hmm. and deliveries and doesn't really have health problems. And so we'd never seen her in a situation where things weren't just like cut and dry. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to speak ill of her. We just, we did not feel supported in the way we wanted to feel supported. And Mm -hmm. it was like pulling teeth to get testing done. And it just felt like I was having to quarterback and control everything myself. And that was like the energy I was really trying to get away from because it was mm-hmm. like revving my anxiety up. I totally. I wasn't the right person to be in control of that situation, even medically. Like it's mm-hmm. not what I do. Uh, I've learned a lot now. I will tell yeah. you, I'm a lot more knowledgeable <laughs> about fertility and hormones now. Mm-hmm. But I, the more I learned, the more I was like, a lot of things are working right. Like my Mm -hmm. body's getting pregnant super easily. A lot of things are working right. Like I feel pretty confident about my egg health because we keep getting pregnant and like Mm -hmm. I'm doing everything under the sun to support egg health already for many years. Right. Yeah. And we, I just, I just had a really strong gut feeling that something else was going on. And so after our fourth loss, we ended up going to Mexico with my family right after it. It was already scheduled. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up having the miscarriage and right before we left. And I was like, it was like a big turning point for me. I was able to get away. We were still really busy at Wild Health at this time. Mm -hmm. And so I think I was just distracted a lot of this time while a lot of this was going on. And when we were there, I just had a lot of time to think. And I had a lot of time to just like get re-centered. And the biggest thing I came to was that I needed to find a team that I trusted. And while we were there, I set up an appointment for our first visit with uh, reproductive endocrinology, which funny, we ended up canceling and going to someone else. Um, I ended up setting up an appointment with two different OBGYNs that I got great reports from, from girlfriends. Mm -hmm. And I set up an appointment with a friend of mine who also happens to be a functional medicine doctor who was an OBGYN for like over a decade. And so she does like women's health fertility or women's Mm -hmm. health functional med basically and went back to see her. And I was like, I just want to figure out what the heck is going on. I want to do all the intricate testing now. Like I think something unique is going on here. They ended up finding a a, like low positive clotting antibody only around the time when I was pregnant, would it pop positive and they would come Mm -hmm. back down because I got pregnant that next month. So we were able to do like, more testing during. And most importantly, they ended up finding something called a balanced translocation, which is 
basically like it's kind of ironic, right? Because you and I work in epi, like we're like specialists in epigenetics, right? Where like you have so much power over how your genes are expressed. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we do for a living, right? Mm-hmm. And like the one thing you can't change is your chromosomes, right? Like they're set <laughs> in stone. And my chromosomes are abnormal. So mm-hmm. basically two of that, like chromosomes are like an X, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if this is on video or not, Yeah, but they're yeah. like an X and like two sides of them are like flipped and like switch to another like arm of a different chromosome. So basically I have all um, my genetic information, which is why they say it doesn't impact your health. I have some curiosity about that because the main chromosome affected for me is the chromosome of methylation. And oh, mine very is like, interesting. my methylation is totally jacked genetically. And I have to support it a lot with supplements and it greatly affects autoimmune pathways. So I'm so interesting. It's just something that like hasn't been studied a lot, but Mm -hmm. like in the textbooks as of now, it's supposedly that, you know, balanced translocations don't affect the carrier, Mm -hmm. but they greatly affect your fertility because when those chromosomes break apart to join with your partners, then the vast majority of them will be genetically abnormal. So Mm -hmm. even if you have normal chromosomes to start. So like, typically you worry about chromosomal abnormalities, like something like Down syndrome, right? Like where you could, or more serious ones that are like not compatible with life where you have Mm -hmm. not enough chromosomes or too many. This is different. You still have the right number, but they're just imbalanced. Like some of them are missing an arm or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that was what was going on. And it's pretty rare. And you have to do our like super specific test to find it that's called karyotyping where you look at your chromosomes specifically but as soon as i found out it was like like one we felt like our world shattered a little bit because i was yeah. like i like flashed back to med school i'm like i know what this means like <laughs> right. but like i hadn't i hadn't read about it in a long time it's not even one of those things that comes up a lot when you learn about infertility and mm-hmm. i've done a lot of reading on it because it's like just not common right but at the same time as it felt super, super scary, it was like mm-hmm. made sense for the first time in like nine months. And so mm-hmm. I felt like this resounding, like intuitive, like, okay, like this is, this makes sense. Now, at least we can like take steps forward. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so I think another one thing that I admire so much about your story through all of your health challenges is your ability to advocate for yourself and say, and, and know that obviously you have a lot of insider knowledge being in the healthcare system, but knowing when you feel like your gut is telling you something's going on, you're not getting the answers or support that you need and saying, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to ask some friends about their OBs. I'm going to find, you know, a few other people to schedule appointments with and then see who feels like the right fit and ultimately get answers, which, you know, I can imagine if you hadn't advocated for yourself, it could have been many months before you finally found that answer. For sure. I mean, we ran like the whole gamut as soon as I found someone that was like, would listen to me. Mm-hmm. And like, she's like, I will do this testing after one miscarriage for people if they want to mm-hmm. understand. Like, yeah. and it's usually something we find nothing positive. But if someone, and that's kind of how I am. And I'm, I'm guessing that's how you are with your patients as well. I feel like if you want information about your body, like it's yours to have. It's your body. Like, yeah. I don't really, the only thing I'll ever share is like, if I think it could lead us down a trajectory of like harm in any way, just in terms Mm -hmm. of like lots of information that won't be actionable at all and could 
potentially cause a lot of like distress. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have that conversation. So there's informed consent, but like, mm-hmm. it's not my decision to make, like I'm the translator in my opinion. And that's, that's what I found in this provider. Like she just, she cares, she listens. She's also like a badass and knows what she's doing. Um, and was like an expert in the field, but I just felt like I could hand over like control and trust to her. And so we just tested everything. And because of that, like we found answers quickly and I asked her and I asked once we got that back and I asked, I ended up finding an OB that we really, really love who I still Mm -hmm. see to this day. And I asked both of them like point blank, what do you think the best option is for us at this point? And basically with the balance translocation, you can, you can keep trying naturally and like rolling the dice and like Mm -hmm. 80 plus percent of the time. And then when you take into account the fact that I'm over 35, so there probably would be even with like a perfect scenario, some chromosomal abnormalities anyway, you know, being mm-hmm. over 35, like mm-hmm. probably over 90% of the time the it would be a genetically abnormal baby that I had a large break in my chromosome. So the odds are we would have continued to have early miscarriages, but mm-hmm. there are one of the arms had a small break. And so there was a possibility that we could have like late term losses. Mm-hmm. And that was just something that really terrified us or like, yeah. or you know, a pregnancy that persisted and then like still wasn't compatible with life at the end of it. And it just all felt super scary. Mm-hmm. And so that we have this like natural medicine doctor that hates intervention <laughs> and like right. basically two doctors just looked me in the eye and one of them was a functional med doc, right? And mm-hmm. they were both just like, I think you should do IVF. Like you can keep trying and you probably will keep getting pregnant and you'll probably keep going through this. And you guys might get lucky at some point, but mm-hmm. you really want a family and you're in your 30s this is something that you should probably do IVF with genetic testing. And then you can just decide, like you can know if your, if your embryos are healthy going into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And what did that, how did that news hit you hearing it from both of those women that you trusted? Well, it's funny. I had always thought there was no way in hell I would do IVF. Like it, it was something I felt pretty strongly about actually, like, mm-hmm. cause just, I historically do horrifically on birth control. And I think that, you know, these hormones make my inflammation worse. Totally. Like it affects me in a negative way in terms of my immune health, which then would not be as great for me to carry and all these things. And so I, it's funny, it, it was a tough pill to swallow. Like initially yeah. it hit me like pretty negatively just when I was reading about that this was a common solution but something about like having found a team that I trust and both of them just like point blank were like if you are my wife like the OB was like if you were my wife and the other gal was like this is mm-hmm. what I would do like I was like okay I had something about that just felt like safe you know mm-hmm. and like it's funny like when a gun's to your head like what you will do to make like the right decision for your family you know yeah. I was like if this is a way to have a like a safe child that's healthy, like, okay, you know, we can do this and I can support my body. I've gotten better when the things make me sick before. If this doesn't work well with my body, I know how to do it again, you know, and I know how to recover. And I just wanted at that point to make sure I was like in the healthiest space possible before a transfer was like my initial thought. Like if we do get healthy embryos, like a lot of people do what's called a fresh transfer where you do an egg mm-hmm. retrieval and get your embryos. And then like immediately that wasn't an option for us anyway, because we were going to do genetic testing, which requires time. 
especially for a translocation. It's like specific kind of testing. But I knew kind of pretty immediately that I wanted to kind of do IVF a little bit differently, like find a doctor that I could do like a little bit of a modified natural approach and use my body's natural cycle and, you know, kind of blend both worlds a little bit and then take a break in between egg retrieval cycles if we needed multiple. And then big, like the most important thing to me was like to take a break before our transfer Mm -hmm. um, to really get into a healthy space for pregnancy because like egg retrievals are really hard. And so that's, that's how we ended up doing it. So it ended up like, it ended up being great. But it was like a tough pill to swallow initially, for sure. Absolutely. Well, I think it's also a common theme for you is this this balance between Eastern, Western medicine or sort of like conventional and natural approaches and how you do. It's it's I think sometimes people can be all in one or the other. And when, you know, when you realize how beneficial a more natural approach can be, it's easy to try to write everything else off, but you've seen from your work in the hospital and your work in the ER, like Western medicine is really powerful in the right instances when you really need it. Right. And it is incredible that we have the technology and the science to be able to do these things. But yeah, I can't imagine like being in your shoes and, and trying to make sense of it all, just knowing what you know, and would love to walk through more of that process of how you approached IVF in a way that was more comfortable for you or like leveraging everything, you know, from, you know, precision medicine, functional medicine to help you through that process. Because like you said, I'm sure it was also a huge, just a huge stressor to your body in general with your autoimmune background. Yeah. I think like, for me, I think the most important thing throughout my journey with like every health thing I've been through is finding the right provider Mm -hmm. and like finding somebody that you can ask the questions to and that you can feel heard and that isn't just going to like put you on an assembly line of exactly how they treat everybody else. And specifically with IVF, that's really common because it's a very protocol driven specialty. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you know about it or the listeners, but it's super, I mean, so much so that there are big clinics like CCRM is one that's really well known. That's a national clinic and it's a great clinic. Like, there are, you know, like outcomes that are publicly measured. And this is like, le- they legally have to be like, nobody's mm-hmm. being inappropriate. And so they have protocols to get to those outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. And like they have specific things they do for every case. And that's great when you look at like population-based medicine and like mm-hmm. overall outcome numbers, but it's really tricky when it comes to like specific bodies. This is why we practice like end of one medicine, personalized medicine, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, looking at each body uniquely. And I knew my hormones very well, especially after how the last year had gone. I knew my menstrual cycle, like the back of my hand, mm-hmm. like I never paid that much attention to it before, to be honest with you. I just knew I had a regular cycle and like... Mm-hmm to take it maybe slightly easier the latter half, but like it wasn't something that was ever a problem for me. So I never like did a deep dive and then like recurrent pregnancy loss will do that for you. Well, you know, especially being science-based and in medicine under a microscope. Yes. Yeah. And so I knew so much about my body at this point that I was like, man, the last thing I want to do is like go on a bunch of birth control, which most IVF clinics put you on birth control to shut down your natural hormone cycles. And then they recreate Uh, everything synthetically. Okay. A lot of this is 
because this is how studies have been done and how outcomes have shown to be positive. But like a lot of it's also because of scheduling. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it's, it's lot because this is when, you know, you're going to the doctor every couple of days with IVF, especially for egg retrievals to get blood work and look at your follicles. And they want, you know, and they do egg retrievals and transfers on certain days and they want to be able to schedule those things for their sake and yours, like at mm-hmm. predictable increments. And I knew from the get-go, I didn't want a clinic that was like hard and fast about birth control because I just had a gut feeling that that was one of, you know, I knew I couldn't get out of IVF without hormones. I knew that was unavoidable, (laughs) but the idea of shutting down my menstrual cycle to get pregnant just never sat with me. I'm like, it just doesn't make sense. And yeah. And historically, like things that don't make sense to me, like I I just have followed that historically Mm -hmm. with my body and it's gone very well for me. So we interviewed a few, um, a few reproductive endocrinologists and I highly recommend anybody that's going to walk this path, do that because again, this is going to put you up against some of your most anxious moments, probably at least it did for me. And I do not consider myself an anxious person, mm-hmm. um, and having a doctor that you trust and a clinic that you trust and can like ask questions to, and like roll with the punches with, I think is so important. It's a really important relationship. So we ended up finding a doctor that I felt like he was, I mean, I still, I still feel like he's absolutely brilliant. He was highly recommended and I just felt calm with him. I felt like I could give up control and I felt like I trusted him. And I told him from the get go, I would like to do like to blend both worlds and to not use birth control and time it with my natural cycle. And he was like, that's fine. You're probably going to have to come in more and do more blood testing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm totally fine with that. If you ovulate, then let's do it. Um, he's like, in fact, women over 35 tend to have, you know, some ovarian suppression from birth control. And sometimes we don't get as good of outcomes. So even though it's better for our schedule, like it's better for your outcomes to not do it. So it turns out my mm-hmm. intuition was right on that. Once again. Long. Yeah. So found a group that was just great and kind of did both worlds again and did acupuncture and did all the supplements for egg Mm -hmm. health and did, you know, like all the things that were within my control without going crazy about it uh, just made me feel like comforted to be helping where I could. Um, And then I think the biggest thing I did to really like blend it was we took a big long pause. So between egg retrievals and transfer for us was over six months, which is really unusual. Like if you wanted to do a frozen transfer after genetic testing, Mm -hmm. uh, you most of the time have to wait one menstrual cycle because it takes like three to six weeks to get it back. But oftentimes people go right away because like, understandably, there's like emotional urgency. Like you're wanting to, you're wanting to feel that relief and getting pregnant Mm -hmm. and like get started and it it feels good to be doing something right. But that level of like, I just had like a strong pull that I needed to break. So that's when I got like really into getting back to me. Like during that six months, I did a ton of weightlifting and I like when I did, we traveled a lot mm-hmm. and like got out in the sunshine and like really just like enjoyed life, enjoyed our marriage again, you know, had, had fun together, just weren't on the IVF like wheel for mm-hmm. two years straight you know what I mean <laughs> and it was 
like no doctor's appointments, no shots. And like my husband gives all my shots. He jokes. He's like, there's a lot of, he says a lot. He's, he's Filipino. He says a lot of Filipinos are nurses. So he always like <laughs> would pretend, I don't know if that's true, but he would always pretend to be a nurse and give me my shots. <laughs> we had fun with it, but like, it's it was good nice to have fun to, with it. Yeah. yeah, it was nice to have a break, right? So I think that's the biggest thing I probably did different was I really still believed very strongly that like getting pregnant is one of the most like energetically taxing things a woman ever does. And I think it's one of those things that like will be pushed off the as the first thing if the body's not thriving, mm-hmm. you know, because it's extra, right? And it's a lot for the body to go through. So that's one of the reasons that when the body's under stress, sex hormones are one of the first things to suffer. It's why we have so much more kispeptin, neuropeptide than men do, right? Because like when we're under stress, like that kispeptin is like "Er, estrogen, progesterone, and the chill, (laughs) especially progesterone, right? Like cortisol like steals away progesterone, which is like the hormone that gets us and keeps us pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt like really clear about wanting and desiring to and really needing actually to get my body in like a super, super healthy, strong, like vibrant space again, which you don't feel vibrant after everything. <laughs> but just getting back to that space and like feeling like myself again before our transfer. I think that's probably the the biggest difference I have seen to most most of the people I know that go through IVF. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And I think Right. It makes so much sense, right? Like, why wouldn't we want to take a break and feel like we're at our best going into pregnancy? But it is so interesting how what, you know, how often we do just what we're told or how often we do what most other people do and and don't ask those questions. Of what's what, what's best for me? So I love that you did that. I loved the photo that you posted after all your weightlifting. It was so cool um, to see you on that journey as well. And just, yeah, like, I mean, I can't imagine what it, what it must've felt like going through all those cycles with the hormones after all the miscarriages and like feeling, finally feeling like, oh my gosh, I feel like myself again. It was pretty amazing. And I think like just emotionally, I I didn't know this at the time, but like now I'm like, man, I'm like so glad I felt really strong in myself again, Mm -hmm. going into an embryo transfer, not like how I felt right after the miscarriage where I had this part of me that was like, I'm broken. I need this to feel okay. Yeah. Like going into it, I really felt really strong, like, and really Mm -hmm. grounded. And like, I needed to get, I I needed to get back to that space before I like took on another life, you know? Yeah. And in addition to the things you did for yourself physically, like weightlifting and traveling and laughing and being yourself, how did you help to process and take care of yourself emotionally before going into this next stage? In a lot of ways, I did less than I historically have done for like, quote unquote, work on myself. But Mm -hmm. in one very specific way, I was very action oriented. So I actually did fertility based EMDR for a Mm -hmm. little while. And it was life changing for me. So this is like a trauma based therapy for anyone that doesn't know. I like Julie would probably know way more about this than me because this is one of her fields of, you know, passion and expertise. But so she can speak to it more. But I was just finding myself, I think it was really after the fourth miscarriage, I I was developing quite a physiologic trauma response. Like Mm -hmm. the idea of like pregnancy test turning positive made my heart race. The idea of like 
even like going to the bathroom, which is fight for like TMI, but like going to the bathroom and like wiping was like traumatic and is for yeah. a lot of women. Those two things specifically can be very trauma inducing for women going through this from like what I've learned now. And I was like, man, I don't want to feel like this if I'm lucky enough to get pregnant with a healthy baby one day. Mm-hmm. Like, And I know what trauma does to the body. I know what it does to the immune system. I know what it does to my immune system. And so it was really important for me to tackle it head on. And it was like the least I ever wanted to tackle something. Mm-hmm. Like when I would get on those calls, like I, I wanted to just run. Like yeah. I did not want to face it. Like there were areas in my mind that I like did not want to go to. Um, and it was really difficult. Mm-hmm. And I was with like the sweetest girl again, like asked for recommendations, found right. like someone who had been through, like, you know, she had had twins, like she had had her own experiences. And like, she's just like, was a lovely human being still see her stop now. And I felt like it was not working. It was actually the first time I had done EMDR. I don't know if you've ever done it. I felt like nothing was happening. And I kept telling her that. I was like, I don't think it's doing anything. And she was like, just keep trusting the process. (laughs) And I was thinking like, I'm too smart for this. Like, I'm like, you're like like one of your patients comes to you and says, well, I've been eating healthy for a week. I don't think it's doing anything. (laughs) We're like in the middle of it. She's like, I mean, most of it happens while you sleep. So like chill, you know, and (laughs) so funny. And I was like, I was like shaking on some of those calls, like did not want to do mm-hmm. it. And like finally like surrendered to it and did did quite a few sessions with her and shifted everything. Like I would wake up like the next day after one of those sessions, after sleeping mm-hmm. on it, after I thought nothing happened. And you don't feel like much is happening in the moment, to be honest. You really don't. But would wake up the next day and like think about a pregnancy test and like I would be like, or like think about our miscarriage. And I would mm-hmm. be like, I mean, I know it's sad. I just don't feel the same body response. Yes. I feel like my chest is going to close in, you know? Yes. So that was a big thing yeah. I did. And then like, I think the other like big one was just, I let go of a lot of things in my life. Like this mm. is around the time priorities really became crystal clear to me. I was like, yes. I need to do my own practice. I need to like slow down. I need to slow mm-hmm. everything down. I don't need to be distracted right now. I need to be outside every day. I need to take care of my body. I need to like prioritize my health again and my happiness. And so it's when I decided to leave Wild Health and nothing against Wild Health. They're amazing. Um, I just had a different path I wanted to go on for myself and for my patients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this allowed me like so much more time to care for myself and more flexibility for all of our appointments and everything else we had going on. And it was a really big breath of fresh air, like just being able to like come up from everything and just like do less. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so it wasn't a lot of like deep diving into interpersonal stuff other than like the specific fertility trauma support. Like mm-hmm. it was more of just like letting go really. Mm-hmm. So incredible, but, but yes, so powerful. And I think sometimes when we have those triggers and you, we feel how strong they are, it feels impossible for them to go away, but then, you know, whether it's EMDR or other methods, like it is possible, right. (laughs) But you have to go through the, like the, you know, shaking on the call and decide you're going to dive in and trust the person you're with to hold that space for you to, to release it. Yeah, but what was so incredible to me is if I'm being completely honest with you, I was not trusting the process. Like I said, I was. (laughs) But this is what I find so fascinating about different types of somatic 
nervous system Uh work is like, you don't have to be a believer necessarily for it to help you, Mm -hmm. which I think is rad because I just think there's a lot of situations where I don't think anyone's ever going to be convinced. Like you can't outthink an emotion. Like you just can't. And so I don't think you're (laughs) going to be able to like intellectualize your way out of it. And so Mm -hmm. I was certainly trying Um, even though I know better and it still worked. So for anyone that's a disbeliever, it's okay. You can still do it. That's, that's it. That's it. That's why it's amazing. Right. Cause it gets you out of your head. So you're, so you can't try to outthink it. I love what you said about this decision also just to slow down and what just sort of, uh, health that's brought into your life. And I think that's such a common tug of war that so many people play where it's, one, it's hard to even consider that it that it's a possibility, right? Like I think so many times we hold these beliefs really strongly of like, oh, I can't work less or I have to be doing all of these things. And I had a scenario yesterday where I I said, like, I can't do this. I have to like, you know, perform this way. And then someone questioned that and I was like, oh. Yeah, I could, if I really wanted to, like I could change this. And so taking some of that power back into your own hands and saying like, what really is best for me in terms of the ways that I'm spending the t- my time, the stress that I have, um, and then how that allows me to be able to show up in the things that I'm doing. So I guess for you, it's come over many years of practice, right? Where you've overdone it and then got knocked down and had to learn what that looks like for you. But how, what are your signs that, okay, maybe I need to slow down and how have you been able to to do that or overcome some of the thoughts or beliefs of like, oh, you know, I can't, it's not possible. I will say this is something that comes a little easier to me than some other things in my life. Like I don't have a super type A personality by nature, um, which I think is helpful. And I always like, I was the youngest in my family. We grew up like on a bunch of land and I was always like, I was always the one that had to go with the flow and like loved Mm -hmm. going with the flow. And so I I always liked a slower pace, I think, because we were raised like in a slow way, kind of to a huge degree. Like we just like ran around outside on a Mm -hmm. bunch of acres by ourselves, you know? And so I just, I think it's always been there and like a natural feeling of like centeredness for Mm -hmm. me to live that way. It changed in med school, I think I want to say. Maybe undergrad where I started to feel like how it felt to achieve things and like Mm -hmm. that, you know, external pull of like how that made me feel good. But that shifted for me mostly when I got sick with lupus. Like Mm -hmm. I learned that lesson pretty hard then. And then when I was at Wild Health and building my own practice at the same time, and I had all these other like dreams of things I wanted to do. The thing that trips me up the most is when I'm caring for others. I can Mm -hmm. over like, I don't know if you're an Enneagram person, but I'm an Enneagram yes. too, like hardcore. <laughs> yes, you are. I could have that one. <laughs> yeah. And I can really get caught up in giving to others. Is this mm-hmm. why like learning how to say no was like the most healing thing for me mm-hmm. for lupus? And I found myself being like, yeah, I'm busy, but I'm like helping so many people and I'm creating these things. And like, it's yeah. more important than me. And like, that is my Achilles heel. So I was really busy with wild health, but it was to the degree of like, because it was for others, even though it's Mm -hmm. kind of selfish, because it also was for me, right? Because I was feeling better because I was doing these things for people, Mm -hmm. whatever. Anyway, so that was why it like tripped me up. And I I know that about myself though. And like, I can call myself on it. And I did. Like, I knew it was getting to be too much because I was like losing my joy with some of it. And I, I don't know if, 
I would have come to that like realization had we not gone through so many like tribulations mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. while the speed was increasing. But like I just came to a point where I was like, when we were on that vacation, mm-hmm. I was like, something's got to give. Like, and it's not going to be my body. Like, yeah. and it's not going to be my health. And I know I can find a way to continue to care for people in a way that is aligned with my health. So that was kind of what I decided to do. And like mm-hmm. the beginning of taking some steps back from being quite so busy in the clinic. And I think the importance of taking time away, right? Like you said, you didn't even, you couldn't even have the space to think about a lot of these things until you went on that vacation with your family. And so the importance of doing that, checking in periodically to, to see where you're at. Yep. Last thing I want to highlight, and then we'll move into, we'll, or we'll start to wrap up. But I, I love the way that you talked about finding your team, like probably no matter what you're talking about in life, it's finding the people that you trust for the thing that you need help with and then releasing control to them. I think you use that word or that phrase a couple of times because so many times our anxiety or our pressure or our fear all comes from trying to to feel like it's all on our shoulders, like we have control. But it's hard, right? When you don't... When you don't trust anyone with it, right? And so you have to find that team. Is that something that you've always naturally just known or how did you how did you come to think about things that way that's really interesting no I I did not naturally know this I was like well I don't know I'm trying to think back when I first got diagnosed with lupus when I was first really like diving into this world I knew enough to know that my first doctor was like not that person to me like I Mm -hmm. walked out and like having been raised in like a super traditional, like Southern family, basically, mm-hmm. like you do what your doctor says. And like, but also I have some people in my family that are kind of rebels that are like, also think for yourself and like follow your intuition. So I had like both voices in my head. And when I first walked mm-hmm. out of like my like lupus diagnosis appointment and the doctor was like awful and like super, like the epitome of patriarchal medical, mm-hmm. like awfulness. And he was. I walked out of there being like, well, this isn't it, you know? Mm -hmm. And like for like a hot second, I was just felt vulnerable and scared and like Mm -hmm. a victim. And I went through those feelings, but like pretty quickly after I was like, this is not it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to be the one to do this, but I'm going to try to find some other support. Um, So I think that's when I started exploring that. And then I still think there was a big part of me that tried to control it myself though, for quite, quite a while. And I don't know if that's because there weren't as many doctors truly practicing this way then. I don't know. I couldn't tell mm-hmm. you. But I know now that like that reach for control is detrimental for me and is like a source of like nervous system strain and stress for mm-hmm. me. And especially when it comes to hormones, like that's mm-hmm. so important. And I was like, I can't. I can't. Like, mm-hmm. I can't hold this. And I reckon I see it in my patients too. Like, I'll ask them a lot. Like, I can feel when they're like, Ooh, mm-hmm. you know, and really like tight about something. And I'm like, if they're not going to share it with me, like, they're going to be up at night thinking about it and stressing mm-hmm. about it and Googling about it. And like, you know, and yeah. so I'm like, look, why don't you just tell me what you're scared about and let let me hold it. Like, I'll yeah. be the one to make sure nothing bad happens. We'll do the testing we need to. We can do more testing if you're still mm-hmm. not satisfied, but like, let me hold it so you can just like breathe for a minute. Mm-hmm. And 
So I recognize it so well in others. And I think that I've been able to kind of translate that for myself. And that was the biggest turning point for me, for sure, with the fertility stuff was finding Mm -hmm. a team that like, first of all, Gaben like listened, but also I knew they would fight for me. Like I knew they cared about the outcome and it allowed me to like, like surrender to it. And like, I think that allows, first of all, the process to work. Because if you're Mm -hmm. like nervous system is all jacked up, like your fertility processes are just not going to work well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any other unexpected lessons or learnings or things that um, you're taking away as you move into the next stage of this fertility journey? I think it's like unexpectedly going to be the best like foundation ever for me to be a better mom Mm. because Will and I were just talking the other night, like we did our embryo transfer not too long ago and we'll, we'll let everybody know how all that goes. But it's again, in this super like vulnerable place, you Mm -hmm. know, where you don't have control. And we were just on a walk the other night and I was like, man, it's not going to go away. Like, and my therapist asked me this too. She's like, what stage will you need to be at for you to not feel anxious or for you to feel like you have some control over this? I was like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's something that can come from it's like, or come from outside. Cause like, mm-hmm. which is probably just the case with life. But I think, especially with kids, like, it's not like once we have a baby, like, <laughs> there's still going to be so many things that could hurt them and you're going to love yes. them more than anything. And like, you just have to like, it's a, it's a giant leap of faith. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's just been unexpectedly like a super beautiful lesson for me to like dig up all those demons and, yes. you know, get them, give them a little love. So oh, that's really beautiful. That's really beautiful and better for your future children too. So yeah, for that's sure. Great. For sure. That's great. Well, as we start to close, I also want to talk about, we haven't talked specifically much about autoimmune disease. Obviously it's been woven in, but any other ways in the last two years, ways that you've changed your thinking, like new tools that you're finding work really well with patients or anything else you're really excited about in the general area of autoimmunity? Yeah. And I think we might have probably some listeners that are interested in both because these worlds overlap a lot. There are a mm-hmm. lot of like infertility struggles linked to autoimmunity. So there's, I'm guessing there's some people of interest here still with that. Yeah. But anyway, yes. So on this like whole journey, this actually been something I've been wanting to do for a very long time, but like, it's been super prominent for me in the last year, because as I left wild health, I ended up letting go of quite a few state licenses that, you know, I had been working with patients all over the nation and Mm -hmm. It was, that was like the most heartbreaking part for me of like having to say no to caring for people that I care about. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? And so I still care about them. I just can't like be their medical provider Mm -hmm. um, and give them their medical care. And so Mm -hmm. it really got me thinking of how to like increase my reach for people that I couldn't directly provide medical care for legally. and. You know, I found myself saying similar things to people all the time. Mm -hmm. So for like categories of things and like, I don't mean there's not still nuance, but I think like 80% of it can be like what's called foundational with health. Mm -hmm. You know, like the main things we do every single day in our own lives and our habits 
are going to have the greatest influence on our health outcomes more so than like what your doctor can do. Now, of course, we just painted like a very significant example of where there are exceptions to that rule, like my genetic mm-hmm. diagnosis, right? Like there are things that just need testing and need an inter- intervention. And this doesn't take away from that. But I just found myself giving very similar advice to a lot of people. And I was like, man, why is this so expensive for people? <laughs> right. Like, and why is this limited to state licenses? Like this right. is crap. Like, you know, when I was diagnosed with lupus in medical school, I was working at a wine bar 30 hours a week. Like I could Mm -hmm. not have afforded the types of providers that would have done this type of testing. Mm -hmm. First of all, insurance doesn't reimburse for it yet. Like it just is all like a little bit jacked up. And so I was like, (laughs) there should be a way like this should just be available to people. So I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to create something to where I can get this out to more people. And then if they need further help, I will show them within that like education who to try to talk to, how to try to find those people. So I've essentially spent the last few like weeks, months brainstorming this like emotional goal I've had for a while, a long Mm -hmm. time, which is essentially like all the steps I took to support my autoimmune Mm -hmm. disease getting better and like refined through years of dealing with or like getting to care for patients with autoimmunity and what's worked for them and like putting it all together in a pretty, a pretty simplified, like cheat sheet full of Mm -hmm. like educational videos. So I'm launching that next, next week as of now, when I think this comes out, it'll be already launched, but I'm so excited. So. We're also excited. (laughs) Um, And it's so true. Like you said, there's so much, Sometimes we get caught up in the details of all the specifics, but there's so much that's foundational. And like, you know, if if people who have autoimmune disease or who just want to learn about it, like start with those foundational pieces, most of the time it just surprises you and blows you away by how much better you can get. Um, without even going into the the really advanced nuanced testing, like you said. And those things are very useful and important. And obviously we see every day how they help people, but I'm so glad that this is going to be out in the world for people to access and to learn from you because of your experience, your firsthand experience, but then also, you know, with all of the patients that you've helped too. But it like, there's always a place for the lifestyle support, right? Like, even if you're also doing the intricate testing, or even if you've already been diagnosed with multiple autoimmune diseases, and you're on your DMARD medications, or your injectables, like, there's still a place for lifestyle support, it still will probably improve your symptom profile at at best, it will improve or reverse your symptoms at, or I don't know, I'm saying this wrong, but like, (laughs) it also could prevent you from getting more autoimmune diseases or more comorbidities, right? So like, it's always talked about as this either or conversation and like, it's just not, it's just not true. And so I'm super stoked because I really want, like, I would love to grow this into something where there's an actual community Mm -hmm. available for people to be able to talk about like what's worked for them, what hasn't, or I I've felt that a lot. This was actually, I should have mentioned this. This was another thing I did during our infertility struggles and our losses. Like I got I like threw myself into support groups and Mm. met some of the most incredible women and learned Mm. so much. And it was a really big part of my healing. And I want to provide hopefully a forum for that, for people going through autoimmunity. Cause I felt kind of similarly, it was a long time ago now, but I have been there with that as well. And I just kind of designed it for like 
as best I could thinking back to what I needed when I was like in the depths of that. And like, I was like, every business person is like, don't do this, but I still (laughs) did it anyway. Like if you do it, you get it forever. I don't care if you give it to your friends. I'm doing like (laughs) an option for monthly payment. So it's super affordable. Like I just, I want it to be accessible is like my main Mm -hmm. goal of this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm super stoked. And I think just like a couple, two or three days after this comes out, maybe I'll be doing a workshop totally for free if anyone is interested in learning more about it. And it will give information on the course and how to like find it, purchase it and everything. But also just in and of itself will be a like a lot of information. So it's not, trust me, not going to be like a giant sales pitch. So I'm just excited to get education out there and like not the best to like marketing or getting into people. But hopefully it finds its way to who needs it. (laughs) I'm sure it will. We're glad it's out in the world. And it's clear you have such a big heart for for helping everyone and making all the information that has been so helpful to you and to your patients accessible because there are so many people out there who need it. And um, the way the system works now, we, we all know, is very backwards and very messed up. So I appreciate you putting putting so much heart into it and making it available for people. And we will definitely share where, where can people learn more about the autoimmune Academy, about you, where can they follow you? So it'll be all on my website at the drerin.com doctor spelled out um, and Aaron's E-R-I-N um, or on Instagram. It's at the Dr. Aaron. So either of those places. Um, and you should be able to email me from either place too, or just send me a message. If you have any questions about anything, I'll definitely get back to you. Perfect. Sounds good. And I think last time you were on, I asked you my usual three questions that I ask everyone. Oh, at the end of the I don't podcast. remember. Do you? Okay, I'm, but I'm, I'm sort of curious to see. I mean, I didn't go back and, and check what your answers were before, but I'm, I'm always curious how these evolve for people. Okay. So First one is three things you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health. This is biggest impact on my health. I have no idea what I said to these before. So I move my body every single day. I connect with my husband, which also equals laughing all the time. So mm-hmm. those are both like, I think joy is like the most important thing when it comes to health of all yeah. time. So that's the biggest one for me. And then I think like what we talked about earlier, just like I live like, I try to live pretty slowed down uh, Mm -hmm. to just be available to like listening to what my body needs and I try to follow that. So just the slowing down, I would say is the last one. I love that. So cool. And I love, I think you shared an Instagram post a while ago about on joy. It was, you had a bunch of stuff, maybe it was a vacation you took or Will took you on and you were like, look, I wasn't following all my usual healthy habits. I'm you know, on vacation, but just the joy and the love, like my HRV went up 30 points or something like that. And I've experienced the same thing. I think, I think it was about a year ago, I made a similar post about my HRV and like being around Lincoln because I'd missed him for a long time. And we like had this great week together and my HRV just like right in pattern with, you know, seeing him went right back up. And it's so cool. I think that we often forget about those things. We get so obsessed with like the perfect diet and avoiding alcohol and all the things that we know impact our HRV, but forgetting about the joy and the love, you know, we're doing ourselves a disservice. Yeah. It's like that you and I have talked about this before, but I'm a big believer that it's, it's about the, I mean, back to control, right? Like it's about the energy behind the decisions you're making for your body. Like if you're making those decisions, 
with a joyful heart and like, then yeah, like it's great to be eating cleaner and like doing all the things. Right. But like, if you're making those decisions with like a grasping intent to like control your outcome or perfect your system, like the body, the body, the body doesn't else. lie. Like, you know, <laughs> so like let loose, go on vacation, yes. be in the sun, have ranch water if you want to like talk <laughs> into the world. Oh. Love it. What is one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or something that you're working on? Funny. Cause I, we've talked about this on this, but it, it, what I'm working on the most right now is surrender, like mm-hmm. with the specific like pregnancy outcome. Like yes. it's what I'm, it's what I'm working on the most. It's yes. my like regular internal battle right now. Yes. And it's, we spend a long time talking about, it, so we don't need to dive into it, but like it will probably always be a work in progress for me, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm working on. And like, the good thing is, is I know in my life, I have evidence over and over and over again, that the best things in my life are always on the other side of surrender. Like Mm -hmm. they always are. Mm -hmm. And so they're never, almost never on the other side of me, like I've got that, you know, like, (laughs) right. Um, And I'm not talking about give up. That's not what I mean by surrender. But anyway, I think that's, that letting yes. go piece is what I'm, yes. what I'm really like is front of front of mind and heart for me right now. Absolutely. I call it the surrender versus surrender that there's a difference between like true surrender and the like, okay, I'm over this. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. anymore. Um, yeah. But I find the same thing. I think no, no matter if it's, you know, whatever specific scenario it is around, you feel like you finally get there and you're like, okay, I'm okay. I'm, I'm at peace with this you wake up the next day and like, you have to do it again. It's not yep. <laughs> just like a thing that you just achieve and check off the box. Like, Oh, I've surrendered to this. No, it is like a literal daily moment by moment practice. Yep. So, so we're fun. all, we're all on the, <laughs> on the journey together, but thank you so much for sharing yours. It's, I think your story is incredible and all of the beautiful like symmetry behind it and the beautiful learnings and the ways that you're using your story to reach other people and to advocate and to make our healthcare system better, I think is really incredible. So thank you for all you do. You're welcome. This was fun to be on here. And for literally anybody that is going through any of this, like, please reach out to me if you need like a listening ear. I mean, it's just, it can be a very lonely experience. And I found even though there can like be a lot of shame for at least there was for me, like wrapped up which is funny, it's not an emotion I struggle with regularly, but like there was just a lot of emotions wrapped up. And sometimes it, it felt easier to just like be in that by myself. But the mm-hmm. more I let like other women into that and like my husband and other and family, and like yes. even now I'm public about everything we've gone through, like it's just been like super healing. And there's a lot of women out there going through similar things. So mm-hmm. if you don't have anybody to reach out to, you can always send me a message. So sweet. And she means it, people. So <laughs> don't hesitate. That's really beautiful. And so heal, right? It is we heal together. We we don't heal in isolation. And there's so much that happens by just being there, holding space for each other, sharing our stories, knowing that we're not alone. So that's really beautiful. Yeah. I had no idea how many people I knew that I'd gone through IVF till I started talking about like people mm-hmm. are like, oh, you guys are trying to have kids. I'm like, oh yeah, we're like, we'd show up at parties and Will would like give me my shots. Like, you know, <laughs> we're like super open about it. And everybody's like, oh, like we did a round of IVF. Like we hadn't told anybody yet. You know, like oh, it's, it's yeah. so, it's so common for couples to go through this. I had no idea. So so common. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Appreciate it. You're welcome. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people.